podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandising. Check out their range of Forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We're recording the morning after quite a remarkable night at Ashton Gate where Forrest managed to get a 2-1 victory, scoring two goals in stoppage time after Bristol City had taken the lead in the first half. It was Lyle Taylor, resplendent in day glow yellow and orange, with bright pink hair and bright pink boots, who uh, who who stole the points for Forest. Um, hello, Nick Miller. You were at the match. I was, uh, I was, and uh, glorious it was as well. Mm, yeah. Now, uh, before we go on to talk about the match, one of the things that, that I wanted to ask you is obviously by the nature of your job, despite being a football journalist, it actually stops you from getting to Forest matches as much as you'd like. And um, I think it's fair to say that for many people, going to see Forest is a much more appealing prospect than it would have been about a month or six weeks ago, isn't it? It's it's, it's remarkable. It's just a sort of, um, it's a team transformed and it's kind of, it's just a whole, you know, obviously a whole atmosphere about the team and attitude about the team, which has completely changed. It almost, I mean, it, it, obviously um, it's, it was better than the alternative, but they played pretty well last night and it, it wouldn't have, um, it, not, not that it wouldn't have mattered necessarily if they, you know, if they hadn't scored those two late goals, but there was still enough there to kind of get excited about and to justify people, um, you know, making the 300 mile round trip or whatever it was from Nottingham to see the game. Um, you know, even without those kind of two late goals, there's, there was enough there to, um, you know, make the whole thing worthwhile. It's it's extraordinary. I mean, you know, looking forward to Forest games. Imagine it. What a concept. I know. And it's it's crazy, isn't it? <clears throat> and of course, the, the thing that's um, the talking point is the fact that the goals were so late. And we will come on to that uh, in a little while. Just to say that... Um, the teams both lined up in what was effectively a three, four, one, two type formation. So um, it's one of those things whereby Forest have played the kind of same team personnel wise, more or less uh, over the last few matches. Uh, yesterday, it was James Gunn who came in for Jack Colback, but the fluidity of that front three was showing through again, wasn't it? Because Zinkenagel was basically playing behind a front two of uh, of Johnson and Graben, which also worked at the weekend. But we saw late on that there is some fluidity in terms of how the front players line up. Yeah, absolutely. And and they, you know, they started with Zinkenegel behind Graben and Johnson and, and, and that sort of swapped around a little bit in the, fairly subtly in the first half. So you had Zink, you know, at a point Zinkenegel and Johnson playing a slightly more orthodox wingers with grabbing up front and then yeah as you say um about halfway through the second half uh Alex Martin came on for Figueredo um and changed to a sort of more kind of classic 4-2-3-1 um again those I mean they, they, they those they, they did swap around for a little bit there was one bit where uh, Alex Martin um, kind of tried to run straight through the middle and he got a 
bit of a telling off from Cooper, basically telling him to keep down the line. So there was there was obviously a, a structure there that Cooper wanted to um, to sort of introduce. But yeah, the 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 fluidity and the uh, kind of willingness to change and try something different is. Uh, it's uh, you don't necessarily want to compare everything that um, Cooper does to Hutton, but obviously it was one of the sort of key frustrations of Hutton's time is that he would stick very rigidly to forty-three-one for most of the time, and if he did make substitutions, then it would be broadly speaking like for like. Um, and yeah, last night showed exactly why a bit of flexibility is uh, inc- extremely important. Okay, let's talk about some of the match facts. Uh, in the first half, Alex Scott, not that one, uh, missed oh. a sitter for, for Bristol City. Uh, Brennan Johnson hit the post with a, it was a classic kind of cut in from the wing, have a shot, but he didn't quite get enough curl on it. Uh, but it was Scott who gave uh, the Robins the lead. Talk us through the goal. So um, I can't remember. I think it was Andy Vyman who had a shot from uh, just side the area. I couldn't quite work out at the time whether uh, Bruce Samba could have done slightly better, but looking at the replay, I'm not. I, th- I think it would have been pretty harsh to blame him for it. Um, he then sort of palmed it out into a sort of five-yard area where there weren't any Forest defenders, and Scott just happened to be there and st- happened to be there and stuck it into the empty net. It was it was kind of it was slightly strange because Bristol City had created a few chances and they. That they looked uh, that there were some sort of slightly worrying holes appearing in the first defence in the sort of first twenty odd minutes or so, um, which I, I wondered whether that was a consequence of um, Garner playing rather than Jack Colback, who would obviously provide a little bit more kind of um, defensive cover in midfield. Um, but for the for the twenty minutes or so before they scored the goal, Forest were very much the better team, as you mentioned. Uh, Brennan Johnson hit the post. There were a couple of other chances. Um, Zinkenagel had a, a really good sort of shooting opportunity that he sort of hoofed into Rosed. Uh, and there were, you know, uh, Graben, I think Graben had a couple of chances uh, before that. And Forrest just looked like the better team in that sort of, in that um, kind of middle 20 minutes of the, um, of the first half. Um, so... Eh, overall, it, 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 I wouldn't say that, you know, that Bristol City didn't deserve the the goal, but it wasn't entirely representative of the uh, of the overall, overall play. Okay, and um, we've talked about uh, Garner coming in and Zinkenagel. It does seem as though uh, neither Garner nor Zinkenagel were necessarily at their best last night. But on the other hand, uh, Bristol City were really struggling to contain Brennan Johnson, and he looked like the player most likely, didn't he? Yes, particularly in the first half, it, there were. Um, I don't know whether Forrest had identified a particular weakness down their left-hand side, but there were th- at least three or four occasions where they were uh, they put um, balls down the kind of right-hand channel. Uh, Johnson sprung the offside trap a, a few times, um, and yeah, they, they were they were sort of massively struggling with um, trying to contain him. Obviously, that you've got um, the sort of key. Uh, sort of twin threat, uh, if you like, of Jed uh, Spence running down there as well. And again, as I think we've um, we've mentioned before on the show, uh, Middlesbrough must have some bloody good right backs if they can afford to let him uh, let him go out on uh, on loan. Um, 
And it's all kind of, uh, without wishing to get too deep and tactical here, it's all sort of, that all of that is kind of underpinned by um, Ryan Yates's role on the as the right side of those two in central midfield. He's whenever Spence and Johnson are kind of bombing forward, he's very happy to sort of fill in in that um, the the sort of right sided defensive role. It's a little bit like, and this is a lofty comparison, but it's a little bit like what Jordan Henderson does for Liverpool when um, Trent Alexander Arnold is bombing forward like that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and persuade the, my bosses to let me write something about this um, in the next few days. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry to the, 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 to come back to your original question. Yes, they were terrified of Brendan Johnson, as mm. many defenses are. Yeah, and I should point out as well, if we're talking lofty comparisons for Ryan Yates, Jordan Henderson isn't up there. Bearing in mind at the weekend, we're talking about Pirlo and Innie Yatesa, so. Uh... <laughs> You know, don't 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 feel too bad about that. Um, let's move on to the second half, where there was a lot of action, really, wasn't there? So both sides had a penalty shout turned down. Um, I've not seen the Forest shout that clearly. The Bristol City one looked a penalty all ends up, didn't it? Both of them were. I, I mean, the referee. Uh, let's let's not get bogged down too much in the referee because this is a happy occasion. Forest won two nil, two one. Sorry, but. Yeah, the, the the both absolutely baffling decisions. I, I was um, sort of cringing in my seat when uh, I think it was Max Lowe uh, fouled the, the Bristol City player. It might have been Alex Scott again uh, that he fouled, and yeah, it was it, it looked absolutely nailed on to me. And then yeah, the the, the Forest one was even more baffling. Um, it was a sort of the referee may, I don't know whether the referee was just on the kind of wrong side. So it, it looked like Johnson has sort of, it, it, I suppose it could have looked like uh, Johnson had sort of thrown himself down in that, in that way that players do when they sort of arch their back and try to exaggerate things. But he arched his back because he just been barged out of the way with the, the, the other guy's thigh. So uh, yeah, it, quite why that wasn't, um, wasn't given as a, a, as a penalty. I don't know. In fact, the penalty that eventually did get given was looked the least, penalty like of the of the three possibles so mm. um yeah I, I suppose in some respects for us were, were very slightly lucky uh, mm. samba made an absolutely sensational save from uh I, I think it was it was it was Naki wells yeah, yeah. that for again for reasons on the, the passing understanding the referee gave us a goal kick um I, I I happened to be my line of sight happened to be right behind it, so I could see the clear deflection. Samba pushed it. I think he pushed it onto the post, and it went wide. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, Bristol City could easily have scored a second goal. Mm. Um, again, the second half was relatively even. Probably, probably the better team, certainly in the last sort of ten fifteen minutes. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could have very easily gone the other way. Yeah, uh, and with that Samba save, I mean, that's Samba at his best, and we saw Samba at his best also away at Birmingham. Uh, so Baz was commenting at the weekend that Samba appears to have become taken over from Yates as the as the scapegoat. So a few people were sort of grumbling about, about that goal in the first half, but I think that's, like you, I think that's a bit harsh, especially on a wet night. Um, let's talk, before we come on to, you know, the the end of the game. Uh, let's talk about the absolutely biblical conditions. You were telling me about what a horrendous drive home it was, and you were just lucky that the adrenaline kind of kept your senses alert as you couldn't see anything on the way home. Um, how did that affect the match? And therefore, was it an advantage for Forrest to be wearing high-vis? 
Um, it wasn't. Um, the, the rain actually wasn't that bad during the game. It, it, it seemed to sort of to sort of really ramp up after the final whistle due to. Um, uh, uh, I'm not sure if we've, we've mentioned this, but I, I was uh, there at the game in a professional capacity, theoretically covering the game. Um, and uh, uh, just as a side note, maintaining your composure in the press box uh, when your team scores two goals in the 91st minute is a it's a tricky old business. But you're a pro, um, Nick, and you managed it. Uh, you I, I'm also, a pro. You did also I, tweet I, about how the, um, yeah, you, you kind of realised that Bearing in mind that neither set of fans was happy with the ref, there was a moment where you maybe attracted a few glances when the ref made a certain decision or two. <laughs> yeah, there may have been a there may have been some fruity language uh, from me in the press box. It was extremely unprofessional. But when the goals did go in, I did manage to confine myself to punching the table in delight rather than you know going full limbs with the um, <laughs> and you know giving it the big one to the uh, to the Bristol City media people who got up and celebrated when they scored. Um, but yeah, the rain, I mean, it wasn't, it was a, it, it was a kind of, it was a wet game. It was a greasy top. I don't think it made a huge amount of difference. It certainly wasn't as bad as, um, I don't know if it, uh, people might've seen some clips from, I think it was Plymouth, uh, where last night where the, the, the pitch genuinely, genuinely looked waterlogged and the ball wasn't running properly. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, hilarity ensued. So it wasn't that bad. And uh, as I said, it got it just got much worse after the final whistle. Yeah. But having said that, uh, you know, a dark, wet night adds to the romance of it when you get, when you sneak an away win in the last, in stoppage time. So, um, yeah, you mentioned the penalty. Um, from what I've seen, again, I've only seen it on a quick replay on my phone. It still looked like actually probably it was a penalty. Certainly there wasn't a huge amount of argument from Bristol City in terms of, and I wonder if that's down to the confidence, the fact they haven't won a home match for about 40 years. So um, it may be that they were just kind of resigned to the fact that it wasn't going to go for them. Um, We've seen Lyle Taylor take penalties before. I loved his penalty taking style, even before he joined the Reds. Um, I just don't think he ever looks like he's going to miss. And in his post-match interview, he did say, one day I will, but there's a real kind of, you know, it's, it comes as a result of a lot of practice. Yeah, he said um, it's very nervy for everyone who isn't me. And I can, <laughs> I can very much confirm that. I, uh, uh, it's, um, I don't know whether it's just a sort of, it's a weird situational thing, but I think I would have, I would have been much, obviously much happier with him using that penalty technique uh, if he was taking one in like the 15th minute rather than the 91st. Um, it, it really does. It's that kind of thing that really does bring the proper football man out in you. You just think, well, you just put your through, put your foot through, it, man. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it, it made me very nervous. But as you said, he's not. You know, he's not really. He's not missed one yet. Um, so you've got to kind <laughs> taken of taken two, scored two. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he was he was very keen to point out that he scored. He did a very similar thing to last night when he was playing for Montserrat uh, earlier this this year, um, he, and he, and one of he scored two late goals, and one of them was a penalty using the exact same technique. So you know, mm. if it works, it works. Yeah, and the the nearest parallel I can think of in in the English game to the way Taylor takes penalties probably Ivan Tony, who does also a walking run up. But it's very the actual style of of the run up. Uh, Taylor seems much more languid, I think, and. Um, and what I would say is that 
Dan Bentley, who's probably one of the better keepers in the championship, he didn't mm. have a clue which way to go. So that says it all, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now, you talked about the subs earlier. So what they did is they they did basically bring on Martin. They brought on Lolly for Zinconagel. It added, and of course, they, you know, Martin had come on for Figueredo. So once again, that whole thing that we've talked about before, 4-2-3-1 isn't an inherently defensive staid formation. Formations are one thing, tactics are quite another. And just like he did at Barnsley, Cooper used the change in formation to actually make an attacking add some attacking impetus to the team. Yeah, and one of the things that was quite interesting, um, you, you, I mean, you're absolutely right to talk about the attacking impetus. Weirdly, one of the ways that that um, sort of manifested itself wasn't so much in uh, the the attackers that came on, uh, you know, although obviously Lolly and all, all three were involved in the second goal, but it was really notable how, Jed Spence and Max Lowe didn't really seem to attack any less um, after the switch in formation, which you would logically you'd think they're moving from being uh, wing backs to full backs. They would not play as high up the pitch, but obviously the um, the first goal came about because Spence was basically playing as a winger at that stage, um, and, uh, and Lowe kept getting kind of up the the left hand side. Obviously helped out by the fact that Might and naturally sort of comes in field onto his right foot from the left, giving low the space to run into on the on the flank. Um but yeah, it was just that that sort of that attacking impetus. And also the fact that there was no I don't know if this is something you you, you were going to talk about in a minute, but there was no panic to it. There was no sort of thought that okay well we you know we're losing in the in injury time we're just going to hoof it upfield either aim for taylor or stick one of the center backs up top or something like that they played they attacked pretty much exactly as they had done um earlier in the game as uh, you know as they did in injury time when uh, or, or to, very towards the end of the game when forest were losing which is kind of perfectly logical because if you if you start a game thinking this is the best way to attack uh then there's no particular reason why you should change it just because things are getting a bit desperate towards the end. And I, I mean, as, as I've kind of mentioned and, and sort of referenced, Forest were, were pretty good last night and they were you know, creating chances and, um, you know, had a goal disallowed uh, by Lewis, uh, from Lewis Graben, uh, which I think was, was, was probably offside, but it came about through a really, really nice um, uh, ball into the middle. I can't remember if it was Garner or Zingenagel. Um but yeah, it was just to sort of, you know, keep on plugging away and it obviously worked. Yeah. And, and again, that's a, a hallmark of what we've seen in Cooper's short reign, because at the weekend when Forrest got pegged back to one all, the thing was, well, keep going, keep going mm-hmm. with the way we play means that we can be dangerous. Um, the other thing I would ask is, given that Bristol City have got this this home hoodoo over them, do you think it's also that Cooper just thought we have even more license to go for it? They've they've taken one of they've taken Chris Martin off. Andy Vyman's supposedly playing as a support striker, but basically they had Naki Wells up front, and then they had well, there was no one behind, so it made no point to have still have three centre halves on. So in that sense, it was like, well, we can push forward because we can smell blood. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but and you know, a, a few of uh, Bristol City's b- big chances did come 
after the the switch in formation and with Forest being still being very attacking, there was one situation where they uh, Bristol City did have what looked like a kind of four five against two counter attack, but they um, I think partly because Jed Spence was so quick in on his recovery run, uh, they kind of they made a mess of that and uh, didn't take advantage, but. Um, so that was a sort of, in that respect, carrying on attacking with that the, the sort of more positive formation could have uh, backfired. But um, you know, those are the you obviously have to take those sort of risks when you when you're losing a game and you're trying to uh, recover a goal. Well, as here, I give a shout out to Uncle Mick in New Zealand who messaged me after the match and said. Um, that would and we had the whole that would never have happened under Hewton conversation, and and Uncle Mick said, well, yeah, it would have uh, would have ended up as a as a as a one all, and I said, no, we would have lost three <laughs> nil because they wouldn't have gone for it at all, and they would have just sat back, and so that positive intent is massively important, and one of the things that's most notable is uh, on. Twitter and on the forums and so on, people were saying, if we lose this, people resigned with five minutes to go, we're going to lose it, but at least we're still playing the right way. People don't mind losing as long as you're giving it a go. Yeah, and um, to perhaps immediately suck the joy out of the uh, the point that you're making, talking about the kind of emotional side of it, um, the statistics bear it out because uh, the um, I, I did... Uh, being the cool guy, cool party guy I am, I checked the XG after the game, <laughs> and Forrest, despite the, the the chances that Bristol City created, Forrest still won on the XG. So, which does indicate that um, you know, on another, if if that that penalty hadn't been given and uh, Forrest hadn't scored those two late goals, uh, they still it, it, the, the the sort of play would have sort of play would have been justified. And as you say, it. People would have. Been, I, I think. I don't think too many people would have complained uh, had Forrest lost that game last night. I certainly would have done. I was kind of preparing to write a, you know, first get first defeat. This is it was, it was inevitably going to inevitably going to happen, but you know, no drama. Um, kind of piece about the game. Um, so you know, from that from from that point of view, um, it's not that it's not that it didn't matter that Forrest. As I think I said earlier, not them didn't matter that Forrest uh, scored those two late goals. But if it had, if everything that had happened had stayed the same except those two goals and Forrest had lost one nil, I wouldn't have been that that um, upset about it really. Okay, so let's talk about the big moment. And as soon as Taylor scored that penalty, he grabbed the ball, and once again, you had that sense of Forrest going you know what, we can we can do this, we can win it. And they didn't hang around because I think it was literally 50 seconds between the penalty going in, even allowing for the celebrations, they kicked off. And as you've written about last night, three subs combining to get the winning goal. Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> the lesser seen uh, video clip from the stands, which includes two goals rather than, uh, rather than just one. Um, yeah, yeah, remarkable. And they, they, they did, uh, both Taylor and um, Cooper spoke after the game and they both made a big thing out of the fact that they were, you know, after the penalty went in, um, uh, obviously Taylor and I think it was, I think it was Ryan Yates and Brennan Johnson both ran up to to kind of get the ball and back to the centre circle. Um, and they were just sort of at it 
straight away from the uh, from the kickoff. Bristol City played it back. Torres won the ball back. Mighton from the left cut inside. Lolly shot, rebounded to Taylor, then and goal. Um, there was no sort of. I mean, again, try not to compare it too much to Chris Hutton because you know I quite like Chris Hutton. He was just wasn't a very good manager of Forest, so I don't, you don't like kicking the man too much. Um, but there was no, there was absolutely no way that they would have gone without kind of positive intent. Um, you know two months ago it would have been great we've got a point snatch one late equaliser 10 behind the ball lads let's let's um you know let's make sure make sure we keep this but and, and i don't know whether it was a, a, that that was i think that's 17 games now that bristol city haven't won at home so you can you can sort of maybe um point to the fact that Forrest might have thought that there was a f- sort of emotional fragility to them. So, you know, and you've got to try and take advantage of that. But it was just, yeah, that, that kind of positive, uh, aggressive intent that will win Forest games more often than it won't. Okay. So Joe Lolly had a shot with his right foot, which is rare. Okay. And Dan Bentley made the save. Lyle Taylor, in his post-match interview, Seemed to be going to the great pains to point out it definitely hit his midriff and not any other part of his anatomy. And that's why he was able to poke it in. Um, I've seen a few Forest fans saying it looked like a handball. Bristol City haven't really made, like Nigel Pearson didn't mention it to any great extent. But Dan Bentley was a bit furious when the ball went in, claiming the handball, wondering why the linesman didn't spot it. Nick, in real time, from where you were, what did you think? In real time, it looked it didn't look like a handball, but um, I was sort of not not quite behind it. But um, he his uh, Taylor's back was certainly between me and the ball, so it was a little bit difficult to tell. And yeah, I've looked at the replays as well, and it doesn't it certainly didn't hit him in his stomach. It hit if it, it, it hit him kind of quite high up on his chest, uh, if if it was his chest. Um, I don't think it was a handball, but I might be, I, I could be wrong. I haven't sort of, I, I will, you know, study that. I, I will be watching the highlights from this many, many times throughout the day. Um, <laughs> so I will uh, study it closely and, and see whether it did hit his hand. I don't think it did. I I suspect, I mean, unless, again, unless I'm wrong, I think Dan Bentley was really the only uh, Bristol City player to protest too much. A couple of them were sort of down on the turf, Bayern Munich, 90, Champions League final, 99 <laughs> style. Um, uh, so it may have just been that he was um, protesting out of frustration for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I don't think it was handball. I am happy to be uh, put right on that. But I guess the, the important thing there is that a couple of things. Number one is that, as we've discussed in the podcast previously, Lyle Taylor is a back post striker. And that's where so much of the frustration has come over the last season, because Forrest haven't been getting effective balls into the box. So Graben's more likely to go front post, but Taylor's more back post. And on this occasion, it worked out absolutely right. And that also reminds us of one of the important things in the striker's handbook, which is if you get yourself in the right place at the right time, then more often than not, you'll get a reward. Some of them won't go in. Some of them you'll get decisions against you. But on occasions like this, it worked out absolutely fine. And I think the words that we're looking for uh, at that precise moment is limbs. 
<laughs> yeah, I did. As I, as I mentioned, I was there in a professional capacity. And while I was absolutely delighted to, to be at the game, and in that moment, I really, really wished I'd been in the away end. It did, it did look absolutely sensational in there. Um, and yeah, the the celebrations were were absolutely joyous Brie Samba was up the up the uh, other end of the pitch celebrating before some of the outfield players were it was one of those um the uh, the guardian um writer Rob Smythe had the, has this great line that where he says you know something amazing has happened when people start running in opposite directions and that sort <laughs> that sort of happened that happened quite a, a bit Last night, everyone just sort of didn't really know what to do with themselves. Massive pile on. Apparently, Lewis Graben uh, obviously had been substituted, ran down the touchline and started slapping Lyle Taylor in the face in celebration, which, you know, it's not the way I would celebrate, but footballers are slightly unusual cats sometimes. Um, I, I, I was, again, I'm sure we've all seen that Jed Spence apparently got so excited that he threw his GPS tracker into the crowd, which Forrest have very politely asked if someone could give them a back, please, because I think they're quite expensive. Um yeah. So yeah, it uh, it was uh, pretty pretty extraordinary scenes. I can't. Uh, the, 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 I, I did look back through, and I think the last time that Forrest scored an injury time winner was in was about three years ago, um, which I conf- it was, was against Ipswich, which I confess I have no memory of. The last one I can really remember was Ben Ben Osborne at, uh, at Derby, and while this didn't have quite the same you know, emotional resonance as that, um, it was uh, still an exceptionally special moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Nick. So this is Forrest's first time that they've won four away matches in a row for over 25 years, which included the 7-1 at Sheffield Wednesday and the 1-0 away at Norwich, which made it to our 1865 list of favourite away matches ever. Um, You can uh, trawl through our archives to hear about our thoughts on those matches. The next match is a big one. It's Sunday and it's against Fulham. So that's going to be a tough encounter. We'll see if that's the reason why Colback was rested and why Graben was taken off. But it's a quite extraordinary night at Ashton Gate, made all the more epic by the biblical rainfall and the ability to slide halfway down the pitch to celebrate with your teammates and the fans. Podcast Network.